Chapter Twenty Eight, Part Two of Ramona. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ramona by Helen Hunt Jackson. Chapter Twenty Three, Part Two. Alessandro had put off from day to day the killing of the cow it went hard with him to slaughter the faithful creature who knew him and came towards him at the first sound of his voice he had pastured her since the baby died in a cannon about three miles northeast of the village a lovely green cannon with oak trees and a running brook it was here that he had thought of building his house if they had stayed in saboba but alessandro laughed bitterly to himself now as he recalled that dream already the news had come to saboba that a company had been formed for the settling up of the san jacinto valley the ravallo brothers had sold to this company a large grant of land the white ranchmen in the valley were all fencing in their lands no more free running of stock the saboba people were too poor to build miles of fencing they must soon give up keeping stock and the next thing would be that they would be driven out like the people of temecula it was none too soon that he had persuaded Maella to flee to the mountain. There, at least, they could live and die in peace, a poverty-stricken life and the loneliest of deaths. But they would have each other. It was well the baby had died. She was saved all this misery. By the time she had grown to be a woman, if she had lived, there would be no place in all the country where an Indian could find refuge brooding over such thoughts as these alessandro went up into the cannon one morning it must be done everything was ready for their move it would take many days to carry even their few possessions up the steep mountain trail to their new home the pony which had replaced benito and baba could not carry a heavy load while this was being done ramona would dry the beef which would be their supply of meat for many months then they would go at noon he came down with the first load of the meat, and Ramona began cutting it into long strips, as is the Mexican fashion of drying. Alessandro returned for the remainder. Early in the afternoon, as Ramona went to and fro about her work, she saw a group of horsemen riding from house to house in the upper part of the village. Women came running out excitedly from each house as the horsemen left it. Finally, one of them darted swiftly up the hill to Ramona hide it hide it she cried breathless hide the meat it is merrill's men from the end of the valley they have lost a steer and they say we stole it they found the place with blood on it where it was killed and they say we did it oh hide the meat they took all that fernando had and it was his own that he bought he did not know anything about their steer i shall not hide it cried ramona indignantly it is our own cow. Alessandro killed it today. They won't believe you, said the woman in distress. They'll take it all away. Oh, hide some of it. And she dragged a part of it across the floor and threw it under the bed, Ramona standing by, stupefied. Before she had spoken again, the forms of the galloping riders darkened the doorway. The foremost of them, leaping off his horse, exclaimed, by god here's the rest of it if they ain't the damnest impudent thieves look at this woman cutting it up put that down will you 
We'll save you the trouble of drying our meat for us, besides killing it. Fork over now, every bit you've got, you. And he called Ramona by a vile epithet. Every drop of blood left Ramona's face. Her eyes blazed, and she came forward with a knife uplifted in her hand. Out of my house, you dogs of the white collar, she said. This meat is our own. My husband killed the creature but this morning. Her tone and bearing surprised him. There were six of the men, and they had all swarmed into the little room. I say, Merrill, said one of them. Hold on. The squaw says her husband's only just killed it today. It might be theirs. Ramona turned on him like lightning. Are you liars, you all? she cried. That you think I lie? I tell you the meat is ours, and there is not an Indian in this village who would steal cattle. A derisive shout of laughter from all the men greeted the speech, and at that second the leader, seeing the mark of blood where the Indian woman had dragged the meat across the ground, sprang to the bed and, lifting the deerskin, pointed with a sneer to the beef hidden there. Perhaps when you know Injun as well as I do, he said, you won't go for believing all they say. What she got it hidden under the bed for if it were their own cow? And he stooped to drag the meat out. Give us a hand here, Jake. If you touch it, I'll kill you, cried Ramona, beside herself with rage. And she sprang between the men, her uplifted knife gleaming. Hoity-toity, cried Jake, stepping back. That's a handsome squaw when she's mad. Say, boys, let's leave her some of the meat. She wasn't to blame. Of course she believes what her husband told her. You go to grass for a soft head, you Jake, muttered Merrill, as he dragged the meat out from beneath the bed. What is all this? said a deep voice in the door. And Ramona, turning with a glad cry, saw Alessandro standing there, looking on, with an expression which, even in her own terror and indignation, gave her a sense of dread. It was so icily defiant. He had his hand on his gun. What is all this? he repeated. He knew very well. It's a Timakala man, said one of the men, in a low tone, to Merrill. If I had known it was his house, I wouldn't have let you come here. You're up the wrong tree, sure. Merrill dropped the meat he was dragging over the floor and turned to confront Alessandro's eyes. His countenance fell. Even he saw that he had made a mistake. He began to speak. Alessandra interrupted him. Alessandra could speak forcibly in Spanish. Pointing to his pony, which stood at the door with a package on its back, the remainder of the meat rolled in the hide, he said, There is a remainder of the beef. I killed the creature this morning in the cannon. I will take Signor Morel to the place, if he wishes it. Signor Morel's steer was killed down in the willows yonder yesterday. How did you know? Who did it? That's so? cried the men, gathering around him. Alessandro made no reply. He was looking at Ramona. She had flung her shawl over her head, as the other woman had done, and the two were cowering in the corner, their faces turned away. Ramona dared not look on. She felt sure Alessandro would kill someone. But this was not the type of outrage that roused Alessandro to dangerous wrath. He even felt a certain enjoyment in the discomfiture of the self-constituted cause of searchers for stolen goods. To all their questions in regard to the stolen steer, he maintained silence. 
he would not open his lips at last angry ashamed with a volley of coarse oaths at him for his obstinacy they rode away alessandro went to ramona's side she was trembling her hands were like ice let us go to the mountain to-night she gasped take me where i need never see a white face again a melancholy joy gleamed in alessandro's eyes ramona at last felt as he did i would dare not leave magella here alone while there is no house and i must go and come many times before all the things can be carried it will be less danger there than here alessandro said ramona bursting into violent weeping as she recalled the insolent leer with which the man jake had looked at her oh i cannot stay here it will not be many days my magell i will borrow fernando's pony to take double at once then we can go sooner who was it stole that man's deer said ramona why did you not tell them they looked as if they would kill you it was that mexican who lives in the bottom jose castro i myself came on him cutting the steer up he said it was his but i knew very well by the way he spoke he was lying but why should i tell they think only indians will steal cattle i can tell them the mexicans steal more i told them there was not an indian in this village would steal cattle said ramona indignantly that was not true magella replied alessandro sadly when they are very hungry they will steal a heifer or steer they can lose many themselves and they say it is not so much harm to take one when they can get it this man merrill they say branded twenty steers for his own last spring when he knew they were saboba cattle why did they not make him give them up cried ramona did at magella see to-day why they can do nothing there is no help for us magella only to hide that is all we can do a new terror had entered into ramona's life she dared not tell it to alessandro she hardly put it into words in her thoughts but she was haunted by the face of the man jake as by a vision of evil and on one pretext and another she contrived to secure the presence of some one of the indian women in her house whenever alessandro was away every day she saw the man riding past once he had galloped up to the open door looked in spoken in a friendly way to her and ridden on ramona's instinct was right jake was merely biding his time he had made up his mind to settle in the san jacinto valley at least for a few years and he wished to have an indian woman come to live with him and keep his house over in santa isabel his brother had lived in that way with an indian mistress for three years and when he sold out and left santa isabel he had given the woman a hundred dollars and a little house for herself and her child and she was not only satisfied but held herself in consequence of this temporary connection with a white man much above her indian relatives and friends when an indian man had wished to marry her she had replied scornfully that she would never marry an indian she might marry another white man but an indian never nobody had held his brother in any less esteem for this connection it was quite the way in the country and if jake could induce this handsomest squaw he had ever seen to come and live with him in a smaller fashion he would consider himself a lucky man and also think he was doing a good thing for the squaw it was all very clear and simple in his mind 
and when seeing ramona walking alone in the village one morning he overtook her and walking by her side began to sound her on the subject he had small misgivings as to the result ramona trembled as he approached her she walked faster and would not look at him but he in his ignorance misinterpreted these signs egregiously are you married to your husband he finally said it is but a poor place he gives you to live in if you will come and live with me you shall have the best house in the valley as good as ravallo's and jake did not finish his sentence with a cry which haunted his memory for years ramona sprang from his side as if to run then halting suddenly she faced him her eyes like javelins her breath coming fast beast she said and spat towards him then turned and fled to the nearest house where she sank on the floor and burst into tears saying that the man below there in the road had been rude to her yes the women said he was a bad man they all knew it of this ramona said no word to alessandro she dared not she believed he would kill jake when the furious jake confided to his friend merrill his repulse and the indignity accompanying it merrill only laughed at him and said i could have told you better than to try that woman she's married fast enough there's plenty you can get though if you want em they're first-rate around a house and just as faithful's dogs you can trust em with every dollar you've got from this day ramona never knew an instant's peace or rest till she stood on the rim of the refuge valley high on san jacinto then gazing around looking up at the lofty pinnacles above which seemed to pierce the sky looking down upon the world it seemed the whole world so limitless it stretched away at her feet feeling that indefinite unspeakable sense of nearness to heaven remoteness from earth which comes only on mountain heights she drew in a long breath of delight and cried at last at last alessandro here we are safe this is freedom this is joy can majella be content he asked i can almost be glad alessandro she cried inspired by the glorious scene i dreamed not it was like this it was a wondrous valley the mountain seemed to have been cleft to make it it lay near midway to the top and ran transversely on the mountain's side its western or southwestern end being many feet lower than the eastern both the upper and lower ends were closed by piles of rocks and tangled fallen trees the rocky summit of the mountain itself made the southern wall the northern was a spur or ridge nearly vertical and covered thick with pine trees a man might roam years on the mountain and not find his cleft at the upper end gushed out a crystal spring which trickled rather than ran in a bed of marshy green the entire length of the valley disappeared in the rocks at the lower end and came out no more many times alessandro had searched for it lower down but could find no trace of it during the summer when he was hunting with jeff he had several times climbed the wall and descended it on the inner side to see if the rivulet still ran and to his joy had found it the same in july as in january drought could not harm it then what salvation in such a spring and the water was pure and sweet as if it came from the skies a short distance off was another ridge or spur of the mountain widening out into almost a plateau this was covered with acorn-bearing oaks 
and under them were flat stones worn into hollows where bygone generations of indians had ground the nuts into meal generations long bygone indeed for it was not in the memory of the oldest now living that indians had ventured so high up as this on san jacinto it was held to be certain death to climb to its summit and foolhardy in the extreme to go far up its sides there was exhilaration in the place it brought healing to both alessandro and ramona even the bitter grief for the baby's death was soothed she did not seem so far off since they had come so much nearer to the sky they lived at first in a tent no time to build a house till the wheat and vegetables were planted alessandro was surprised when he came to the ploughing to see how much good land he had the valley thrust itself in inlets and coves into the very rocks of its southern wall lovely sheltered nooks these were where he hated to wound the soft flower-filled sward with his plough as soon as the planting was done he began to fell trees for the house no mournful grey adobe this time but walls of hewn pine with half the bark left on alternate yellow and brown as gay as if glad hearts had devised it the roof of thatch tool and yucca stocks double laid and thick was carried out several feet in front of the house making a sort of bower like veranda supported by young fir-tree stems left rough once more ramona would sit under a thatch with birds nests in it a little corral for the sheep and a rough shed for the pony and the home was complete far the prettiest home they had ever had and here in the sunny veranda when autumn came sat ramona plaiting out of fragrant yellow twigs a cradle the one over which she had wept much bitter tears in the valley they had burned the night before they left their saboba home it was in early autumn she sat plaiting this cradle the ground around was strewn with wild grapes dying the bees were feasting on them in such clouds that ramona rose frequently from her work to drive them away saying as she did so good bees make our honey from something else we gain nothing if you drain our grapes for it we want these grapes for the winter and as she spoke her imagination sped fleetly forward to the winter the virgin must have forgiven her to give her again the joy of a child in her arms eh a joy spite of poverty spite of danger spite of all that cruelty and oppression could do it would still be a joy to hold her child in her arms the baby was born before winter came an old indian woman the same whose house they had hired in saboba had come up to live with ramona she was friendless now her daughter having died and she thankfully came to be as a mother to ramona she was ignorant and feeble but ramona saw in her always the picture of what her own mother might perchance be wandering suffering she knew not what or where and her yearning filial instinct found sad pleasure in caring for this lonely childless aged one ramona was alone with her on the mountain at the time of the baby's birth alessandro had gone to the valley to be gone two days but ramona felt no fear when alessandro returned and she laid the child in his arms she said with a smile radiant once more like the old smiles see beloved the virgin has forgiven me she has given us a daughter again but alessandro did not smile looking scrutinizingly into the baby's face he sighed and said alas magella her eyes are like mine not yours 
i am glad of it cried ramona i was glad the first minute i saw it he shook his head it is an ill fate to have the eyes of alessandro he said they look ever on woe and he laid the baby back on ramona's breast and stood gazing sadly at her dear alessandro said ramona it is a sin to always mourn father salviadera said if we repined under our crosses then a heavier cross would be laid on us worse things would come yes he said that is true worse things will come and he walked away with his head sunk deep on his breast end of part 2 chapter 23 recording by david lawrence and by neeru ayer